0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. So grateful that you joined us again because today I have an excellent guest for you all. His name is Daniel Etra, and he is the chief executive officer of Rethink First, also the co-founder, by the way, with almost three decades of successful international business experience, including 20 years as a serial entrepreneur Mr. Etra was co-founder and CEO of RER International, a global supplier of printed materials to the retail industry. He's been a consultant to Bain & Company and has done many things across various industries now in healthcare. And I'm excited to dive into what he and the team at Rethink First are up to. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It's all, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, no, great to have you here. And so before we dive into Rethink First and give everybody a chance to understand the company, help us understand what got you into healthcare.
1: Sure. So um, a few things. I joke I'm the accidental entrepreneur, sort of followed a very straight trajectory from college to finance to consulting and nothing related to healthcare, with the exception of finance, doing some work in pharmaceuticals. But Got to a point in my career where it wasn't just about making money. And I really wanted to do something that adds some value back to society as well. And I love building things. Uh, one of the things that I found from a deficit perspective in industries like finance and in consulting is you're working with clients, but there's nothing very concrete. I mean, you're providing recommendations, you're giving analyses, whether it's quantitative, financial, et cetera, but there's not a physical product and I've always felt that that was missing. And I've always done uh, pro bono work since I was a kid, whether it was teaching kids in Harlem after school and then after my work as an investment banker. And so I loved that aspect of being involved with childhood development and trying to give something back to the world. And I'd say, sort of that's how I landed into healthcare, certainly one of the areas that needs the most help, that and education in terms of our economy, in terms of the impact, and the breadth, and in terms of the scale of the problems that I think many smart individuals are trying to solve for. And I know we'll talk a bit about it, but one of the beauties of what we do everything first. We really cover, although we're a health technology company, we cover both the K-12 markets and the healthcare markets as well.
0: Interesting. Definitely looking forward to diving into that, Dan. And thanks for sharing the why behind healthcare, looking for that purpose, great place to get it. And the problems are plentiful. So, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. so, all right, let's dive into Rethink first. So what do you guys do and how do you add value? Who do you add value to in the healthcare space?
1: Sure. So maybe the best place to start is what is the problem? What are the problems that we're setting out to solve? And that's sort of my, I guess, skills, mindset. What's the problem and how do you bring resources to bear to solve it? And so Rethink was founded looking at, at the time, the problem of autism and a very clear, what the treatment methodology medically recommended by the NIH, the Surgeon General, the American Academy of Pediatrics, behavioral therapy, behavioral intervention, very clear who the target population was, individuals with an autism diagnosis. And the issue is the dearth of trained clinicians available to uh, deliver best practice treatment to this population. And that's a problem that existed when we founded the company back in 2007, 2008, and it still exists today. And I think you'll find those same problems in behavioral health in general. And so we thought, how can we leverage technology to drive scalability? How can we ensure that wherever that patient is, he or she gets access to best practice treatment. And we've expanded you know, from autism into broad developmental disabilities. Think of conditions like speech and language problems, ADD, ADHD, motor skill issues, comprehension issues, uh, problem behaviors, all fun, falling under that you just of behavioral health. And then in tandem with that, how do you support the caregiver, whoever that individual is, whether it's a parent or a a relative caring for the individual in the home, whether it's an educator that has a a student with a special need in the classroom, and even a a clinician in the, the healthcare system, when you're trying to deliver intervention to hundreds of patients, but you're one individual, how do you do so effectively? How can you automate a lot of the administrative work that goes into that, whether it's staff training, creating the intervention plan, tracking that patient's progress, how can you equip that caregiver again from the layperson to that professional clinician with the tools to be able to do your job at scale so that wherever the patient is located, anywhere around the world, that patient has access to best practice care or as close to it as possible. And the nice thing about what we do is we support all entities that revolve around that the care of that patient or member. We think of that patient or member in the center, whether they're served in the K 12 market, whether they're served in the home whether they're served through the healthcare system, we're the tools that allow for best practice intervention to be delivered by whoever is delivering that care.
0: Interesting. And to reiterate, thanks for sharing that, Dan, it's autism and behavioral health. Is the behavioral health part of the autism or can you help clarify there? Absolutely,
1: yeah. So if you think about autism, it is one set of conditions within the broader umbrella of behavioral health. So today- one in six individuals will have a diagnosis of a developmental disability. And as I mentioned earlier, it can be speech, it can be OT, it can understood. be ADD, ADHD, problem behaviors, et cetera. So autism is, is one subset of that and that's where we began. Oh. And then we've expanded to uh, all those one in six individuals. And then what's interesting is because of the markets in which we play. So for example. We're the leading special needs management platform for the K-12 markets. We work with very large urban school systems, six of the top 10 in the country, helping them deliver scalable intervention to students with a a special need. But at the same time, you have issues like uh, depression, anxiety on the part of teaching staff. You know, COVID, I think, brought a lot of these issues to light. They're burned out, they're frustrated. And then you have broader societal issues like bullying, You have, unfortunately, incredibly high suicide rates among the K-12 population, even down to elementary school, unfortunately. You have issues of depression, anxiety among school staff. So how do you support the mental health needs of regular students? How do you mitigate those issues like bullying and school shootings? How do you provide teachers with a support system so they don't get burned out? And so if you think about the evolution of our company, beginning with that narrow population within behavioral health, expanding to broad developmental disabilities, and then thinking about how do you support the caregiver with their own mental and behavioral health needs. And and I do wanna note, we do everything up to clinical. So we're not an agency, we don't employ therapists or clinicians that go into the school or into the home, but we provide tools to allow that caregiver to deliver the treatment or intervention to the patient. We provide tools to allow that caregiver that educator, that clinician, that employee to be able to address some of their own mental health needs, again, everything up to clinical. And that allows us to reach that patient or member, again, whether they're being served in the school system, whether they're being served in the home. And here, typically in the home, we work with major employers that offer our platform, our solution as a health and wellness benefit to their employees. So Think about employees that are struggling, that are stressed because they may have a child with a special need or they themselves may be feeling uh, depressed. We can support all employees as it relates to the needs of their dependents, as it relates to their own mental health needs. And then behavioral health providers. These would be the big public and private agencies that employ clinicians, typically working with patients with an autism diagnosis or other developmental disability we are that mission critical software that allows them to manage their practice, train their staff, measure progress of their patients, submit bills, get paid by insurance, etc. cetera. And most recently, and, and, and this is what I love to talk about, yeah. we sit on the largest published data set of clinical outcomes for patients with an autism diagnosis. And to give you a sense of scale, you're talking about north of 600 million clinical outcome data points. And we've deployed modern data science, you know, AI is the sexy term for it these days, to analyze that data set and get to a point where we can start predicting outcomes for this patient population. And that's the game changer as we look sort of towards the future, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but as we look towards the future, how do you predict the outcome for a patient with an autism diagnosis? For example, today, there's no way to do that. You you can do that very easily in cancer, diabetes, cardiac disease, because you have data. So depending on, for example, cancer and God forbid, the uh, diagnosis, degree of metastasization, very clear what's the treatment protocol, what's the likely outcome. Today, that doesn't exist in behavioral health. So we're really at the cutting edge of being able to say, based on this diagnosis, what should that outcome trajectory look like? And then you can start to get into all these areas like value-based care. Is the provider delivering the appropriate intervention, performing the way they should? Is that patient progressing? And that has implications for all these entities, for school systems, for the healthcare system, for health insurance plans, and I think most importantly, for patients themselves. Are they getting the right treatment? Are their caregivers getting the right
0: support? How can we measure that? How can we see the impact? Love it, Dan. No, that makes a lot of sense. Ultimately, behavioral health and all its subsets, developmental disorders, that is, and then providing a tool set for them that allows both the patient and their caregivers to quickly address whatever issues they have going on. Sounds like a really just robust platform. Payers, providers, employers are the ones that sort of fund this. Is that correct? That's
1: correct. So we have
0: four end
1: markets as we call them, the K to 12 market, so public school systems that uh, will license our software, it's a SaaS-based model and so we work with as I mentioned six of the top 10 districts, large urban to small rural. We work with the US Department of Defense on all military bases globally through their school system. So quite uh robust in terms of our offering and how we can support those that end market. We work with uh, Fortune 100 to 1,000 employers. We have a third of the Fortune 100 that use our solution to support employee caregivers, so parents with the tools that they need to address, whether it's a, a problem behavior for a typically developing dependent or a problem behavior for a child that has a special need or help address some of the mental health needs of those caregivers. And also, in addition, which I love too, which is something that we're seeing is becoming very important to employers today, being able to support neurodiverse employees in the workplace. And so think about non-visible, non-physical disabilities. How do you create a culture where these individuals are welcomed into the workplace? How do you train HR? How do you train uh, managers to make the right kinds of accommodations to allow these individuals to be successful in the workplace? And lastly, how do you provide support for those individuals themselves so that they can be successful in the workplace? And, you know, companies like Microsoft and SAP clients of ours, which were at the forefront of this a decade ago, now you're starting to see industries like pharmaceuticals, media telecom, retail, embrace these individuals and wanna create both a culture where they're welcomed and also the right support system and structures so that they can be successful in the workplace. So that's our second end market, the employer end market. Our third, as I mentioned, behavioral health providers, public and private agencies, and employee clinicians. So giving them the practice management tools to be effective in the way they deliver care. And lastly, our payer end market. And here it's very much about leveraging that massive data set that we have captured to help payers make the right decisions in terms of What does the patient need and is the provider within their network delivering the appropriate care? And it's building that muscle to do that as well. So similar, what we've done as a company, beginning with our autism data set, but building the engine so that regardless of the clinical outcome data set that we're putting in there, we can start predicting, making the right kinds of outcome trajectory predictions to allow for more precision medicine, better care for the patient, better outcomes. And I think that's ultimately what we all do are
0: trying to do within the healthcare system. Great outline of all of the end markets with the value prop for each. Appreciate you sharing that. And folks, hey, if something that Dan said today strikes a chord with you, we'll leave in the show notes ways to get in touch with him and the company. So what's next for you guys, Dan? Great question. I think we're, we've got a lot of balls in the
1: air. If you think about where we serve these patient populations in multiple end markets, it's really thinking about how can we better equip our clients with the tools that they need, being current in terms of the methodologies and the approach to delivering treatment. And that's the beauty of being a platform. And really bring a data-driven approach. I touched on uh, value-based care, very common in other areas of medicine, brand new in behavioral health. So continuing to gather the data and analyze that data and to help our clients bring the right treatment to those patients. I think we still have a lot of work to do. As I mentioned, we're we're doing this with autism. There are all these other conditions out there. And primarily, we play in the United States, the employer end market for us. We work with a good number of US-based multinationals. So we're available for that end market. I think in about 100 countries and, and we're in about 11 languages, if I'm not incorrect, but this is a global issue. As I mentioned, when we started, we set out to develop scalable solutions so that wherever the patient or member is, they have access to best practice intervention. So I think we're really only part of the way there with our focus on a very large market in the United States, but I'd love to see us continuing to evolve and, and bring our best in class, best practice tools to these other end markets, the education system, the employer system, healthcare systems globally as well.
0: That's great, Dan. Well, look, super exciting to hear about the progress, the growth, the penetration. And it sounds like it's expanding on those tool sets, maximizing the value that you're able to offer on the data. And the future is very bright. If anybody listening to our episode today wants to get in touch, what would you recommend they do? Where can they visit you guys?
1: rethinkfirst.com is probably the best place to land. We started with humble beginnings. I I still read my email. And so they're always welcome to reach out directly, daniel at rethinkfirst.com. And I'm happy to direct them to the smarter colleague than I that can help them with whatever their need is. But I I love to hear from people and folks are always welcome to to email me directly.
0: Amazing. Dan, thank you for that. Folks, take Dan up on his invite to reach out. Now is the time to make a difference in this key area of health. And him and his company are making major, major impacts in the area. So Dan, can't thank you enough for being with us and looking forward to having you back soon.
1: Saul, I really appreciate the time, take care.